1: One of the first things that happens when there's news of any breaking social or cultural event is that social media takes over, right? We find the most up-to-date news. We find more information. We also find spaces of remembrance all on social media, whether it is Facebook or Tumblr or various other more static social media sites, And these sites, these online memorials that Peter Glavitsky discusses in his new book, Journalism and Memorialization, in the age of social media. That is, he examines what these online memorials offer for both the user and for journalism, and what also journalism means for these online spaces. We have him on New Books and Technology today, but we will be discussing what role fact-based journalism plays in the maintenance of online memorials. This is New Books and Technology. I am your host, Jasmine McNeely. One of the things we always like to do here on New Books and Technology is to get from the author a little bit about themselves. So please tell us who is Peter Glavitsky. Great. Well, thank you, Jasmine. Um, I grew up
0: in Rochester, Minnesota, in southeastern Minnesota. Um, My parents came to the United States from Hungary. Mm -hmm. They were seeking a better life for themselves and for their children. Um, So, I grew up in southeastern Minnesota. I went to a small liberal arts college Uh, for my undergraduate school. I went to Saint Olaf College in Northfield, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was there that I really got interested in connections between technology, connections between technology and media, and I started thinking about digital and social media and what its impact was um, on the world and how we think about ideas, on how we think about issues. Um, and it was while I was at St. Olaf that I started thinking about, you know, sort of these kinds of connections. Um, while I was a student at St. Olaf, uh, one of my college classmates passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed away in a scuba data accident in the in the Mississippi River, and then a couple of years after um, I finished undergraduate school when I was getting my master's at the University of Minnesota, there was another of my college classmates, uh, Catherine Olson, who passed away after she answered an ad seeking a babysitter on Craigslist, and um, her story became particularly famous, it attracted national news, um, And so I was thinking about the stories of Nick and the stories of Catherine as I was working on my master's and then working on my Ph.D. at the University of Minnesota in the School of Journalism and Mass Communication. And I recognized that the stories of Nick and the stories of Catherine especially were unfolding online, which is to say people were looking to digital and social media as a way to express themselves in the aftermath of those deaths. And I even participated as I talk in the book a little bit. I even participated briefly in an online memorial that was remembering Catherine Olson's life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had that background. I had that experience of sort of um, remembering my college classmates and thinking about how their stories were being told in digital and social media spaces. Primarily we were thinking um, um, at that point about uh, uh, the Facebook social network especially. And so those were events that really got me very, very interested in online media on the memorials in particular. And that set the stage for my interest for my study of the 2007 Virginia Tech school shootings. Mm -hmm. These school shootings, of course, happened on April 16th, 2007. And what I noticed is that the Virginia Tech shootings were one of the first uh, major news events to unfold in the age of social media. And so I began... um, right away in 2007, uh, sort of studying that that particular event, studying that particular case. And those were the events that set the stage for what became the book eventually, right? I feel like I've been writing the book. I feel like I started writing the book about um, seven years ago. I feel Mm -hmm. like those were sort of the events, the deaths of my college classmates and And then the Virginia Tech shootings were the things that set the stage for journalism and memorialization in the age of social media.
1: So why journalism and memorialization? I mean, when we think about the word journalism, I think most people think of the traditional, I guess, news media. Sure. Even even if moving into the digital spaces, why journalism and memorialization?
0: That's a great question. Um, one of the things I think, Jasmine, is I was noticing right that um, there was an opportunity for individuals outside of the mainstream media conversation, so individuals who are not official sources, individuals who are not traditionally um, given opportunities to really give voice to their stories um, within that traditional media context. I noticed as I started studying digital and social media that, one of the real um, affordances of uh, social media spaces and online memorials in particular was that they made it possible for individuals um, to really um, find a platform for expression, right, in mm-hmm. times of crisis. So individuals wh- whose voices um, were not otherwise heard in a mainstream or traditional journalism context were able to give voice to their needs and
1: wants um, using social media memorials. Okay. Okay. So one of the, one of the terms you use or two of the terms you use in the book sure. relate to user structured versus mm-hmm. journalism structured. right? And perhaps you can like detail that for the audience. Sure. That's a great question. Um,
0: when I think about journalism structured, I'm thinking about, um, sort of what we've come to understand as, um, traditions or, uh, forms of journalistic storytelling, right? Uh, there's a way that journalists tend to tell stories. They tend To focus, as I tell my students, right, Um, on five W's and H, they tend to focus on the idea of, you know, sort of um, having a particular structure, having a particular format. And what I noticed as I started looking at the research that became this book is that users tell a story that tends to be, at least in certain moments, um, extraordinarily focused on particular aspects of a story, Mm -hmm. right? It tends to be extraordinarily focused on particular aspects of an unfolding news event. What I found and what I find um, when I look at online memorials, is that um, there is a real focus on um, um, on expressions that are directed towards the victims of an event, right? So, for example, I studied and I talk about this in the book, in chapter two in particular, um, whereas there was a lot, lot of news media coverage about the shooter in the Virginia Tech. Um, 2007 Virginia Tech shootings, I found that, for example, in the in-memorial Virginia Tech Facebook group, the emphasis really was on the victims. The Mm -hmm. emphasis was really on providing expressions of support uh, directed toward the victims. And so when I think about user-centered and user-structured conversations in that format, really what I'm... Um, asserting is that there's an extraordinarily focused um, attention to specific aspects of a story that are um, tying into the needs and wants of the social media audience
1: mm. okay okay so I think perhaps one thing we should probably do is back up a little bit and sure. talk about what is the definition of a memorial in the first place because um, I guess there could be different kinds of memorials and and from what people think about it as the analog version of a memorial might right. be slightly different than the social media or online memorial.
0: Right. Um, what I'm thinking about when I think about an online memorial is a network space for remembrance. And that is decidedly a very, very broad definition, right? Because I'm saying, because I'm um, articulating and really asserting that when we think about an online memorial, um, it's a space that is, um, Really guided in bringing forward an opportunity for remembrance, right? This could be a caring bridge page. It could be a Facebook page. It could be a YouTube uh, channel or a Twitter feed, right? And what I'm, um, um, what I'm asserting in the book and what I'm sort of talking through in the book is the idea that it's not necessarily, um, the particular platform on which the remembrance is happening, but it's the nature of that remembrance, which is to say it's happening in an immediate and interactive and a public platform, which is, especially in times of crisis, functioning across a great distance, right? Mm-hmm. So it's um, really what I'm thinking about. There is a networked space for remembrance and
1: that is, uh, you know, very much uh, sort of constructed and put together by the users. You know, I have to think about though, that because, the social media outlets we have are so disparate in some right. ways and the, right. the different kinds of affordances they have. And I'm so just wondering, like, so do, the, um, do does the, the kind of communication that you found and the different kinds of social networks change <laughs> related to the affordances of each social media? And then does that change the character of the memorial? Right.
0: Well, you know, I mean, I think certainly uh, different social media platforms have different affordances, right? right. Um, primarily, I've studied Facebook to this point. I'm also growing very, very interested in Twitter. I'm growing very, very interested in YouTube and Instagram. And I see those as future spaces mm-hmm. for study, uh, <laughs> sort of under the broader umbrella of my research program. I think that, um, you know, what we notice on Facebook is that um, Facebook, Book provides opportunities for very, very long postings and very sort of in depth um um, in-depth articulations that simply because of the form of Twitter, for example, right, because of the, the character limit, are not there in that same way, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to think about, I think you're exactly right, we have to think about uh, different platforms as um, sort of bringing forward different affordances. Um, and I think that when we look at Twitter, uh, Twitter has a particularly ephemeral quality about it, right, mm-hmm. which comes forward because of the... Um, the character limitations that exist there, and also because of the ways that individual users... because of the ways that even groups of users have come to understand what Twitter is and what Twitter is for, I think that we're going to recognize, right, that as we look at many different social media platforms, um, the most sort of central elements of each of those platforms, whether we're looking at Facebook, whether we're we're looking at Twitter, whether we're looking at Instagram, it will be the central elements of those platforms, the core characteristics of them that drive an online memorial conversation,
1: right? So those certainly are part of how stories are told on different social media platforms. So what what are the goals of memorials? Obviously, I mean, the obvious one is to remember <laughs> the the person, but are there other goals? What do the the users do? Uh-huh. That's a great question. Um, what I've found so far is that
0: they provide an opportunity to sort of keep the conversation about an individual's life, about the significance of an individual's life, to keep that conversation going, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, um, and I think that that is one of the primary, um, sort of goals that we see when we look at participation in these online, um, in these online memorials, right? Is there an opportunity, um, there's an opportunity to keep sharing an individual's story long after, um, they have passed away. And I think that that's especially meaningful, right? Because, um, when we think about the pre-social media age, we might think that, for example, a newspaper obituary functions as the last sort of publicly mass-communicated um, remembrance of an individual, right? So when we think about pre social media age, we might say that an obituary is sort of the last public memorial. But, but what we're finding is that online memorials especially sort of keep that conversation going. And I think, for me as a researcher, that's fascinating, right? Because we can keep sharing about the significance of an Individual, we can keep uh, sort of coming back to and recognizing um, sort of the uh, particular nature, the story of their life, if you will. And I think that that has um, potential implications for how we think about um, digital and social media as ongoing spaces rather than finite
1: spaces. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the ongoing spaces because at some point some of these memorials are abandoned or no right. longer used. Right. right? Right. So, so what does that mean? Well, I mean,
0: I think that, you know, there are certain, um, certain memorials are going to be used for a particular period of time, right? Certain, certain memorials are going to have a specific period of use. And I think that we find that, um, memorial groups, especially memorial groups that I've studied on, uh, Facebook, they tend to sort of come to a conclusion after the particular event, uh, to which, th- they gave rise or after the particular event that gave rise to the group has itself come to a conclusion, right? Mm -hmm. So when I've studied, for example, Virginia Tech Memorial groups, what I've found is that they are most active when there is the sort of most active traditional media conversation about them, right? So um, if we have certain uh, news events that are not gaining additional coverage or not gaining additional sort of follow-up events, then generally speaking, um, those memorial groups may remain important to a specific group of users who have a connection to that event. But generally speaking, we will find that those groups um, will become less active if they are functioning outside of a, outside of a news context, or if there's no longer a, a good deal of news about those events, then the events
1: are concluding, if that answers your question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but Okay. So what is the role of journalism mm-hmm. for um, either the, the participants of the memorial or the creators of the, the memorials.
0: Well, I think primarily what journalism does is it provides a fact-based foundation for the conversation, mm-hmm. right? It provides a fact-based foundation for the conversation and it, helps users, um, especially in the initial stages, make sense of the particulars of a news event, right? Mm-hmm. So it sort of anchors the conversation and brings forward a conversation uh, that is uh, ideally, right, hopefully grounded in uh, fact-based, thorough journalistic um, sort of uh, reportage, right? So so that's the core element of where journalism fits into the online memorial uh, space. So...
1: Uh, you know, that that's interesting you say that because in huge events like Virginia Tech and then more recently, say, Colorado uh-huh. shooting, new, uh, the the cinema shooting, and, and then this year in uh, Charleston, uh-huh. news reports will come out. And then it's only after much more time that we start getting more and more details. Uh-huh. And so with you know, even with a setup of memorials which can be set up, I think what within an hour after certain sure. sure. events. Right. Right. That it would seem that the the news or at least the earlier news being shared would mm-hmm. lead um to different conclusions mm-hmm. and, and perhaps, you know, when they start getting more facts, then perhaps perhaps the tenor of the memorial changes mm-hmm. or Their response to news changes? Have you found any of that?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that, um, you know, what we recognize, for example, after Virginia Tech is that all my memorial users in the in-memorial Virginia Tech Facebook group, which was a large group that I studied out and a large group that I mentioned in my book, they especially latched on to the death toll in that particular case in terms of that especially became a kind of rallying point for them to work towards making sense of the event and to work towards making sense of those shootings. And also that online, um, 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 on the day after the shootings, we find that uh, online memorial users uh, really began repeating uh, poet and Professor Nikki Giovanni Nikki Giovanni's phrase from her speech that she gave um, um, at Virginia Tech, this idea that we are Hokies, right? Mm-hmm. So so these news items um, can certainly influence and can certainly drive forward an online memorial conversation. And I think they're important in that way, in terms of helping individuals make sense of the particulars of a news event. So
1: what have you found about, like, the sharing of news on these memorial sites? Um, th- will people find the latest um, news article online and then share the link or how is information shared in these spaces
0: certainly there is some uh, sort of sort of finding and sharing the link that certainly does happen um, I think also we're seeing increasingly that uh, you know these social media users especially very active social medias, Media users, they tend to be concurrent users of media, which is to say, very often they are watching television and using digital and social media at the mm-hmm. same time, right? So sometimes that sharing isn't perhaps as necessary as it would have been, in, uh, as it would have been in, um, 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 in an earlier era, because there's almost an understanding that individuals, uh, have a sense of the core facts, especially several hours into the event, right? Mm -hmm. So we will see sharing of links early on sharing of links. If there's a big change in a story, right? But because of concurrent media use, one of the things that we're seeing is there's perhaps less sharing about those core facts and more sharing about sort of feelings, expressions, socio-emotional expression about particularly emotional elements, Mm -hmm. right? Um, we find that all the, all the memorials, especially in times of crisis, are really platforms for expression. So, th-
1: does journalism, or do I guess traditional journalism, news articles, does that help to provide any kind of closure? Then, for uh,
0: closure in what sense? Closure for journalists or closure for uh, users? Well, closure oh, for either? For either? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I think that. There's a sense of um, you know I mean uh, I think that we can't look to online memorials especially in the out I mean, um, in the very initial hours and say that say that uh, they can provide any sense of firm closure mm-hmm. what I think they can do especially in those early moments is um, make it possible for individuals who don't otherwise have a voice in a traditional mass communication context to give voice to their um, um, their their perspectives, their expression, their emotions. And I think what it can do for journalists, right, so what it can do um, for journalism is that it can bring forward and it can sort of make evident that the reach and the impact of a particular news event, right, is broader than perhaps it is being reported, um, which is to say that this story is really um, emphasizing um and sort of reaching an audience that is perhaps much, much broader than journalism institutions, journalism outlets, indeed journalists themselves, um, may come to recognize. Uh, because we're in a moment now, of course, when news travels so very quickly, right, that anybody has the opportunity to log on and make their voice heard. And what we found is, is that when that happens in a news, in a sort of during a major news event, you um, there's an opportunity for journalism institutions, for journalists to recognize exactly how broad the reach and how broad the impact of a particular story is.
1: Mm -hmm. So I've been asking about how, I guess, the users use journalism. How do journalists use memorials? Mm
0: -hmm. That's a
1: great question. And certainly I think what journalists
0: can gain from memorials, right, is that perspective. Journalists can gain from memorials a sort of, Breaking news perspective of what are um, those who are not traditionally covered um, in a um, in a mainstream sense. What are they seeking to express? What are the aspects of a story that most uh, directly capture their attention, right? Mm. That's a big thing that journalists can gain from the study of um, and from participation in uh, online memorial groups, whether they're on Facebook, whether they're on YouTube, whether they're on Twitter or Instagram or what have you. Um, that is a large element that I think journalists can gain in this situation.
1: But are, are there any kind of, I guess, unwritten rules related to journalists' Uh, I don't want to say infiltrating but sure, sure. Uh, you know going into spaces that they may have no connection to otherwise right. other than the event that has happened are, are there any right. rules or any kind of you know norms related sure. to
0: that sure that's a great question what i found is that um Journalists will, in certain cases, um, not be actively engaged in groups. I was mentioning that I've studied um, extensively the In Memoriam Virginia Tech Facebook group. Mm-hmm. There was one journalist who posted in that group, um, basically seeking somebody who had a connection to Palm Le- to Palm Beach, Florida. I believe that journalist was from the Palm Beach Post, um, and that journalist um, within the Facebook group was not actively engaged. Right. Um, by any members sort of of that group openly that can be sort of discerned. But I think that as journalists um, work to cover um, breaking news events, this has certainly been true since Virginia Tech and I think it remains true today, um, my sense is that a journalist who is respectful, a journalist who identifies himself, a journalist who um, clearly states their sort of purpose or their reason for being in a group. Um they may not be actively welcomed by everybody because I think certainly uh, some online memorial users really are struggling. And, that, and I think that some online memorial users may feel that sense of intrusion that you mentioned. But on the whole, I would um, guess, and this is just me sort of extrapolating based on what I've researched and based on what I know, that Journalists uh, would be, I think, fairly well welcomed for the most part within an online memorial group. So I do think there's an opportunity for them to continue seeking out those spaces um, to bring in the voices of others who have not been um, traditionally um, sort of brought into that mainstream media or the traditional journalism conversation.
1: Hmm. So one of the things I want to talk about is the permanence. Mm-hmm. Oh, these memorials, not just the, the, you know, whether or not users are continuing to post on them right. or visit them, whatever, but right. the actual permanence of the bits, right. <laughs> you know, right. and, and how does that affect memorialization?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, I mean, one of the impacts of um, the, that sense of permanence is that Postings that were made in two thousand and seven, right after Virginia Tech, for example, they are still accessible. They are still archived. They are still there, right? And depending, of course on um, depending, of course on how we study them, depending, of course on what we're looking at, um, this can have either positive or negative effects. But I think generally, um, we find that online memorials. Um, provide a way to remember sort of the audience reaction to a specific, to a specific event, right? on mm-hmm. I mean, the memorials, um, because of their permanence, because of their presence online, which is to say that the Facebook page will be there until um, it decides to get taken down or until, um, um, uh, hopefully nothing bad ever happens to social media platforms, right? But they are fairly permanent and they are fairly a part of our sort of everyday lives for those of us who are digital and social media users. And so, so I think that online memorial groups, in terms of their permanence, provide a vantage point um, for journalists, for journalism educators, for journalism researchers, and really for digital and social media historians about audience reaction to a particular event. In this way, they almost remind me, which is to say online memorials almost remind me of kind of what. Less- the editor, right, Mm -hmm. Um, which is to say that the audience reaction is um, there to witness, it's there to study, it's there to work through, and I see them as an outgrowth of um, earlier forms of audience reaction that we've seen throughout the history of journalism and mass communication, but certainly they do tend to be um, extraordinarily, as I talk in the book, immediate interactive and public platforms in a way that perhaps earlier forms of um, audience response, were not.
1: Now, as, as social media changes, mm-hmm. grows, or perhaps, you know, fades, sure. what do you see the future is for these kinds of memorials? That's a great question, and I wish
0: I had the perfect answer for you, <laughs> um, but I will do my best to venture a guess. Mm-hmm. My sense is that, you know, um, um, I'm thinking here of communication uh, theorist Walter Fisher's ideas about humans as storytelling animals, right? Mm-hmm. And my sense is that humans always want to tell stories, right? We want to find a way to share our ideas about the world. We want to find a way to um, sort of understand the, the media's role in our lives. I'm thinking here also of George Gerbner, of course, mm-hmm. um, thinking about storytelling and my sense is that, um, online memorials will be present as long as there is an active online, um, infrastructure, as long as there is an active space for online communication, for online discussion. The particulars of that conversation, the particulars of the memorials themselves will likely evolve, right? They will likely evolve based on the affordances, based on the constraints of digital and social media as we know them in the future. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm fascinated by the potentials of video in terms of the, the potentials to keep building and keep growing. Um, we've seen since the advent of YouTube the opportunity to really engage in a video sense, right? Um, even though I haven't studied YouTube memorials uh, personally myself yet, I think that video has extraordinary potential um, to have really strong impact in terms of what we think about when we look at the future of online memorials. Um, I find it very interesting that um, even though there is a rise of uh, there's a rise of the image when we think about Twitter, when we think about Instagram in particular, we can add Pinterest to this conversation. I think that um, there's really uh, great potential for both video, as I was mentioning, and also uh, sort of an image-based memorial. And I'm wondering, and this is a question that I wonder very often, which is how will the rise of those, the continued rise of those uh, forms of expression Mm -hmm. change what it means to uh, engage in remembrance, change what it means to have audiences expressing themselves in times of crisis? Mm -hmm. My sense is that we might see um, videos actively shared, um, and we certainly are already seeing this, but I think there's an opportunity to really... um, do a process of tailoring, which is to say it would not surprise me if future online memorials were tailored in a way that recognizes the particular affordances, let's say, of active video sharing that is um, sort of doable and that's workable for even larger audiences than we're seeing it today. I think the future is bright, and I think it will um, – continue to, continue to be guided based on the affordances and based on the sort of user driven stories that, uh, we see in the future of digital and
1: social media. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things we instituted here at New Books and Technology is the elevator pitch, meaning if someone were to have tuned in just right now and wanted to know about journalism and memorialization in the age of social media, Mm -hmm. and you had one minute to tell them why they should, you know, go go out and buy it or, you know, check it out at the library, what would you say?
0: Well, I think that journalism and memorialization in the age of social media, um, was to reveal the ways that journalism and social media are increasingly in conversation and that in times of crisis, um, when individuals are gaining information from journalistic outlets, they are then turning to social media as a platform for expression, mm-hmm. right? And I think that um, it is in social media memorials that individuals are really um, able to express themselves and able to bring forward uh the stories that they have and the stories that they feel are most connected to a particular news event. Mhm. Sounds good. So
1: what's next, Peter?
0: Great question. Um, Well, I am actively working on a variety of things. Um, I had a great opportunity this summer to spend time at the Vanderbilt Television News Archive in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I'm really interested in um, nightly news representations of technology across time, especially nightly news representations of digital and social media in general, and the use of digital and social media um, during times of crisis, during major news events in particular. And so I had my wonderful opportunity um to really go and uh, watch a lot of television this summer <laughs> and to me it was fascinating to think about how discussions about technology discussions about media have evolved really since the late 60s into the present day and so i would imagine that my future work will engage uh some of those questions some of those issues historically and i'm very much looking forward to that work as well
1: mm-hmm. now if if uh, the listeners want to find any more of your writings. Where where can they find those?
0: The best place to start,
1: the best place to look, is my
0: website. It's my full name, Peter Glavitsky. My last name is spelled G L O V. Is in victory. I C is in cat. Z is in zebra. K I dot com. Um, and I also have an active uh, Facebook presence. I'm also on Twitter
1: at Peter Glavitsky. And I welcome the opportunity to chat with your listeners. Awesome. 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 So the book is Journalism and Memorialization in the Age of Social Media. And we were grateful to have Peter Glavitsky on the show today. So thank you, Peter. Thank, thank you so much, Jasmine. It's a real pleasure. This has been New Books and Technology. Have a great week.